Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Friday Night Dinner Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Dr. Stephanie Sarkis, PhD, who you can find at stephaniesarkis.com. How are you today, Steph? I'm great. How are you? Doing great, thanks. How's the weather your way? It's nice out. It's 55 degrees, so it's a little cooler. Nice. And I was just in California, and it was in the 30s to 50s, and it was beautiful out. Nice. So, yeah. So what's it like? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Friday Night Dinner Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Dr. Stephanie Sarkis, PhD. You can find over at stephaniesarkis.com. How are you today, Steph? I'm great. How are you? Doing great, thanks. How's the weather your way? Good. It's beautiful out. I spent some time outside today. It's 68 degrees right now. Sunny, and it was up to 72. I think 72 and sunny is, like, the most perfect weather. Okay little breeze yeah that would be like my ideal like if i could have one temperature all year round i guess it's like hawaii is like 72 and sunny right so yeah so if i could have like hawaii-ish weather so. that you'd but be okay I, with but that now so i'll take it <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh cloudy and it's uh 10 degrees celsius which is 52 fahrenheit so oh it's warmed up a little bit since we last talked yeah i think last time it was like a little bit cooler so maybe not quite sure it's weather but we're getting closer yay yeah um yeah we're here to talk gilmore girls and in particular we're talking about uh episode two of season six crazy to think how far along we are like really we only have two more seasons plus the revival so this and i know i was thinking that and then we move on to mad men right yeah we're going to do Mad Men after this, Yay. which I think will be good. Very similar shows in that they kind of like have a lot of interesting character stuff going on. So Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, this uh, episode kind of has a lot going on, I think, more than meets the eye. Because I think in a lot of ways, this, is, this episode's about Rory and Lorelai both adjusting to life without each other. Uh, you know, Rory kind of... You know, she she goes to do her community service. Uh, she gets us to a fight, which was really bizarre. Um, I yeah, know, like... Yeah, nowhere? Go ahead. I mean, here's the thing. It just doesn't seem like the kind of conflict resolution that Rory would do. Right. <laughs> and we should <laughs> yeah. mention who wrote this episode. It was Daniel Palladino. So I think that oh, explains okay. a lot. Yeah. So much. Yeah. Yeah. Also, just kind of explains why, like, um, Emily was just so rude throughout this entire episode. Like, I know oh, yeah, he. Yeah, she didn't have like, to her. Yeah. Hmm? I know he kind uh, of treats uh, Emily like just a bitch. Like, that's all he sees her as. And I don't agree with that. That's but... a quote, right? You yeah. said he, he actually said that in an interview. Yeah. yeah. And then Amy Sherman Palladino was corrected him. She's like, no, like, she's got nuances. Yeah. I mean, she has some things about her that are not great, but so there's more to her, her than just that one dimensional thing of, oh, she's a bitch. So. Right. 
that's reductive. Yeah. Yeah. It's more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause like Emily in this episode gets mad at Rory for talking to a housemaid. So. Right. That felt like, weird. Because Alexis Bledel is actually fluent in Spanish. She's Latina. Yeah. So, so it's kind of <laughs> interesting to see her. Her Spanish wasn't that great. And I was like Spanish. wondering, I'm like, is she playing it as like a bad Spanish? Or maybe she just hasn't spoken it in a while? Yeah, I, th- I think that might be the case. Because I'm pretty sure that that's, that she grew up speaking Spanish. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I was like, well, you know, you get props for that that's got to be hard when you're really good at something and have to act like you're not. Mhm. Um but uh yeah. We found out in like the previous episode that uh Rory has to do 300 hours of community service, which I kind of take a little bit of umbrage with this because who ever did the math in the show is completely wrong. Um they said that she's doing 300 hours of community service. And that it's practically a full-time job. They keep mentioning that it's a full-time job. But for, like, the number of weeks she's doing it, it's around, like, two and a half hours a day. I'm like, that's not a full-time job. That's, like... No, that math wasn't adding up, yeah. Yeah. They're like, ah, oh, she she can't do much of anything. It's a practically a full-time job. I'm like, not really. I mean, two and a half hours a day is not that much. Just plenty of free right. time to do something else. Meanwhile, we find out that, well, I guess this is more next episode, that uh, that Logan seemingly got nothing. Well, yeah. He didn't, get, he didn't get any kind of consequence. I mean, so When Rory yeah. wouldn't take his attorney, maybe that was, that was a good option. To well, obviously the, the, yeah, the lawyer messed up because he was like, oh, you, the most you'll get is 10 hours, and he, she ended up with 300, so clearly he was not that great, but... Right. I mean, yeah. Also, too, Logan's family has deep pockets too. So, like, yeah. I think compared to, uh, well, not so much Emily and Richard, but more Rory. Like, there's, you know, I'm sure they kind of look at him and you know, yeah, he's not the greatest, but I'm sure his dad makes donations and charity, so they were probably a little more forgiving on him, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, well, and Richard acted out during the sentencing, right? Yeah. So that doesn't case didn't really help no no um but yeah luke and lorelei uh kind of decided instead of buying the twickham house they're gonna instead spruce up the house they're currently in which i was like yeah, kind of makes sense also too like reality is is on these shows is that you know if you go and all of a sudden you're gonna be doing the twickham house you're gonna have to have new sets and all this other stuff and it's just this whole right. ordeal makes more sense to keep it on the same set so so what was the point of that whole storyline with the toy kind of house? Was it just for like an interaction between Luke and um, uh, Taylor or what? what I was think it was like supposed to kind of like, I interpret it as a little bit of a surprise in the sense that like you, you, we are so used to like Rory or sorry, Lorelai and Luke having these like little things that pop up that get in their way. And I think we all saw this and probably thought the same thing. Like, oh, it's going to be a big deal. And it ended up not really being a big deal. So I've kind of interpreted it as, I think the show was kind of giving us a bit of like a red herring. Like, oh, you think this is going to be a big deal, but not really. I mean, I could, I be, so. I could be wrong, but I was like, because like, I, certainly like 
Luke was getting all upset about the Twickenham house for a while. He backed out of the deal and all that. So you kind of get this impression like, oh, is this kind of where where the relationship encounters those issues? But instead they just go, well, it's not a big issue. And they worked it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's see what else we got here. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, Luke. Uh, Luke's sister Liz uh, kind of tries to get him to hire TJ to work on their house. Um, so much codependence in this episode, let me tell you. Wow. Yeah. Everybody's I mean, enabling everybody. <laughs> also, I mean, I'm sorry, but like, they should have just told um, TJ no. Like, then there's right. this whole thing, kind of gets more into like next episode of like, the mythical hammer and pranking TJ. Like, it just kind of felt like it was going on way too long. And I'm like, just right. tell him no. Just say no, TJ. Like, you're not the right person for this job. Move on. Right. But Right, there's a lot of this in the next episode where people just aren't being direct with each other. Yeah. Um, and we find out that, that uh, Luke doesn't like dogs. I kind of feel like Luke's the kind of person who wouldn't like much of anything until he has, like, extended time with That's it. Fun. Then he probably would like it. Yeah. Because I'm like, you're probably more of a dog person than a cat person. Let's be real. Like, Oh, you think Luke is? Yeah. I don't really, I don't really see him being, like, a cat person. So. And then we find out Lorelai's had a string of pets that have met unfortunate ends, I guess. It's a yeah. hamster, a pig, uh, I forget what the turtle... Yeah. And so Patty, like, keeps naming all of them. I'm thinking, well, what's going on with Lorelai and the pets? Like, a hamster, I get, because they can run out of the cage and they can hide and stuff. Mm-hmm. But a pig? What happened to the pig? I don't know if there was a and... pig. I remember there being a rabbit, a hamster, rabbit, and a turtle. A turtle. And there was something else, too. Rabbit, I hamster. Say it, was a pig. it wasn't a pig. No, but, she was um, looking at a pig, but I don't think she had a pig before. I think I remember. Oh, but it being... was like, oh, the pig never. She goes, "Is the pig dead?" And the no. lady goes, "The pig. That's unusual for the pig to be like that." And so Patty's <laughs> like, "Well, you know, I rest my case or whatever." Yeah. So that's where I thought it was pig. Yeah, but but and then what's with Patty bringing it up? <laughs> like, it well, I think like it was to protect the animal. You're the rescue person, huh? I think it was to protect the animal because in her eyes, at well, least. Well, yeah. I mean, like, if you were the rescue person, wouldn't you be like, huh, this town person is telling me about what a terrible pet parent she is. Maybe I need to listen to this. Yeah. But, but they still but they still let her adopt Polanka, who's yeah. now Polanka. Yeah. So and... this is the first time you've ever heard about any of this stuff about the pets. Yeah. I think. I'm, I mean... I think we have heard about the pets before because I think there was one point in an earlier episode where they're looking at pets and I think it's Rory who's like, no, you have no good luck with pets. So I think this is not the first time they've mentioned yeah. this, but yeah. And she seemingly is doing a good job, even if like, I don't know, part of me is like, you're going way too above and beyond for this dog, but you know, like. Well, she's, pro- <laughs> you know, it's interesting how she is projecting, I think, some of her stuff onto the dog. Like, yeah, you know, I, she seems happier overall in this episode, but I think that's because she sublimates or pushes her anxiety onto other stuff. So you mm-hmm. notice, like with the dog, and I can see too. Like I've had rescue dogs where they sometimes arrive with some issues already, mm-hmm. um, particularly if they've been in a household where they were abused. So I get that. 
at the same time, there are so many things that she brought up. I was wondering if she was kind of putting her anxiety on the, you know, like the dog became like the embodiment of her anxiety. Like mm. maybe the dog really wasn't afraid of the stuff, but she was projecting it onto the dog. Yeah. I, yeah, I think she's definitely up, like very clearly, I think, trying to replace uh, Rory with the dog. And uh, mm-hmm. like, I think there's moments where she is freaking out because of what happened with Rory. She obviously has some sense of personal, I think, disappointment in that. So to to have Paul Anka now, I think she's... I don't know if she's projecting necessarily the um, anxiety, but like definitely that feeling of, like, I can't fail this dog like I failed Rory. So... Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think it's it's very clear that they're they're like, yeah, Paul Inca's there because she's failed. She's failed Rory. So, um, she's failed Rory. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then uh, Rory ends up surprisingly just dropping by the diner. This is kind of after she's had a bit of a bit of an odd day at the um, doing the the cleanup. Which, I guess, like, I don't know. I, it felt kind of weird that she was there. And it also felt a little weird that, like, how she said it, too. Because when she comes in, she's like, Luke. And the way she said it was just, like, very, I don't know, like, almost too vulnerable. I was like, well, what's going on she was fa- She was fawning. It, she was, yeah. You know, like, they had that fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. She was doing a little bit of fawning stuff. It was like, just looking little, meek. Yeah, it was just uh, a little bizarre. I don't know. I don't yeah. Know. And, and he rightly says to Lorelai, I feel like I'm in the middle of your issue. And I think Rory showing up at the diner was definitely putting him in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she, she's asking these questions like, hey, any news in town? But you know she's asking about her mother. Yeah. And then, and then Lorelai, or then Luke drops the news that they're engaged and she didn't let Rory know. Mm-hmm. And Rory does not take that well. No. And at the end of the episode, like, we have uh, Lorelai driving. She sees Rory picking up trash on the side of the road. And she stops and she gets out and uh, just kind of, you know. I, I don't know what the purpose of her doing that was. If it was just, just to, to, like. bother her, it seemed like. Yeah. Didn't it? Like, it seemed like she was bothered by it. It also felt like she was trying to, like, rub Rory's nose in it a little bit. I don't know. Right. It felt just bizarre, but then, yeah, Rory makes mention that she now knows that, uh, uh, you know, she knows that Lorelai's engaged and she doesn't like that. And they obviously are both mutually hurting right now because of what happened. So, yeah, it's just, you know, like I said, I think near the end of last season, like this, this storyline goes on for a while. So it doesn't, doesn't go away neatly or quickly. The show was starting to drop me on this episode. Like, I was starting to, like, lose interest in it. Because, especially when you bring in TJ, I'm just not going to hang in there with the episode. And he's in this one and the next one. Yeah. Um, I I noticed it's the show's... I can feel it kind of starting to go a little bit off track. Yeah. And and I know that, you know, I've been told... You've told me, I think some other people have told me that season seven really goes off track. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm kind of already there. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of already feeling that it's heading that way. 
like for me after season four it starts to go downhill and it's not like an immediate thing but like season five is not my favorite and then season six kind of gets for me progressively not as good as season uh five and then yeah season seven is just pretty bad some people really don't like a year in the life either although that one i think is a little bit more people kind of fall on different sides of that one but yeah. yeah i think the slide was yeah i could see like season two and three yeah those were kind of the mark but yeah you start seeing it like the end of season three and then four yeah it's real gradual but this one i'm like you know there's some stuff in it like liz with the ring and the, she has to go this like pt for her finger physical therapy for her finger because you know tj got her a ring that messed up her finger and cut off her circulation you know yeah. it just like gets like it just gets kind of silly but not silly in a amusing way i think the core of the show will always be the lorelei rory dynamic and their mm -hmm. kind of humor and their kind of thing and right now we just don't have that and i think that's right. you're now taking away the dynamic that a lot of people like in the show and you're being left with mm -hmm. people like tj or paris and other characters that right don't get me wrong like if there's an ep if there's an episode with tj in it, it wouldn't be like the worst thing in the world but now you have an episode where it's more reliant on tj because you don't have rory and laura light speaking with each other right now but and not a lot of balance no it's just like it's sort of like when you take have like a recipe and you take out your two your two biggest ingredients and then you're just kind of left with something that's like oh well this is like you're making chocolate chip cookies and you leave out flour yeah <laughs> oh you leave out flour and you leave out sugar and it's just like this combobulated mess and you're like this is not right. this is not chocolate you're chip like, cookies, cookies. Yeah. it's something it's just yeah it's not a chocolate chip cookie that's how you know, how how I feel about this riff with rory and lorelei is these episodes kind of suffer because they're missing those two key things that i think makes the show right. so great so mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean it is interesting drama i will say that i do find it you know interesting that the show does kind of make it like hey we're not going to forget about this like they're having a spat and just like in real life sometimes people have spats and they, they don't resolve them right away so right all right um yeah let's see uh that's pretty much it for the summary of the episode um mm -hmm. yeah Rory's uh having kind of an aimless time in the pool house yeah and they also did the thing where they did these stereotypes of people doing community service i think to juxtaposition rory looking like an innocent princess well i thought that was kind of i was thinking there would probably be more people like Rory, like people who just are not going to exactly. go to trial because their thing is so minor or something. Like these people look like they probably would be going to trial and probably would be going to prison if they're guilty, not doing community service. So I don't know. I kind of agree with that. Like I, I get what they were going for. Like, oh, look at all these people that she has to associate with. Um, but, but they're just people. Yeah. yeah and... I wanted to see more of like a girl that got a DUI or something like that. Like, you know, like something that was like mm -hmm. obviously a crime, but not more in league with what Rory is doing. And it would have been great too, if you had done that, that you could kind of make it a little more interesting to just kind of say, uh, you know, here's people who are in the similar boat as Rory and here's how they're handling it. And we can kind of have Rory right. learn from that. But yeah, instead it's right. like, instead it's played for funnies. Yeah. And then you've yeah. got, I mean, it's very similar to Emily 
doing this whole list of, you know, here's the things you should do and not do, you yeah. know, while you're, you know, it was like a list for people who are in prison or something. Mm -hmm. but it was like the similar thing that they did with the people in community service. Yeah. You know, I, I get the whole thing was to look at, look how innocent Rory is, but you know, that, that shtick with Rory being an innocent flower is getting kind of old. Yeah. And it's not particularly applicable anymore. No. Like I, said, I would have liked it if they had shown like a girl who, I don't know, maybe you have her go to, or ha that she went to Yale too and she decided to drop out. You kind of show like maybe that path that Rory's going on and what that can lead to, right. but kind of a missed right, opportunity. Rory's not getting a real reality check. No, no. They're just putting her with gangbangers and like, I don't know, it's just, it doesn't really seem really realistic that that's the kind of people that she would be doing community service with. But yeah it's and then we have then we have dar i always think it's hilarious when they when they show dar on the show because mm. since i listeners probably know if you've listened before i'm in dar and it's nothing like how they portray it on the show i just think that's hysterical because it's oh, yeah. so not it's so not what it is yeah <laughs> and i just love that they they like take this idea of it and they like amp it up so I think that's hilarious. But so that so the idea is that they're gonna hire her to work in the in the office there, but she has to be a member first. So mm -hmm. so that's so they're leading up to her like kind of doing this job while she's you know, while she's doing her apparent full like you said you know this full time work. Yeah, they're like oh, she, we could be flexible with your hours. I'm like she's working two and a half hours a day. Like right, that's right. not that much. So. Right, like somebody did not do the math on that. Yeah. No, no. Uh, who was your favorite and least favorite performance from this episode? My favorite was the dog. And the worst was probably no. everything else. <laughs> so Rory, I thought Rory was whiny. TJ mm -hmm. and Liz, usually I I just, I am not a fan of those characters. Um, yeah, the, the whole, co and we can talk about the psych stuff. The whole codependency thing between the two of them, ugh. you mm -hmm. know, like Liz, Liz trying to compensate for TJ, and it's just it it really grates me. I don't, it, and so I don't know. I think with with TJ and Rory, it was the acting with Liz as the character, mm. um, but yeah, the dog like beat everybody up for best performance. Okay, just by virtue that he's a dog. All right, and nobody was doing better than him, <laughs> so. Yeah. How about you? I I actually went with Rory, even though like there's not a lot of great performances in this, and this is not even that great of a performance. But mm -hmm. I did think that she kind of showed different levels of like where Rory is at right now mentally mm -hmm. and psychologically. So I liked that, and I think she did a pretty good job of kind of you know showing that Rory is kind of she's in a weird place right now. She's trying to figure out what to do, and it's not quite easy for her to figure out right now so mm -hmm. i did like that even if yeah it's probably not the most <laughs> it's probably not the most uh well done writing i was like okay i i felt felt out of the bunch that rory was probably the best but yeah slim pickings it's not a whole lot yeah it was, emily and richard i mean usually they're on my list of best but the what they had to work with was not great like you said you know he he thinks that Emily's, you know, Daniel Palladino thinks that Emily's a one-note character, and that's how they wrote her. Yeah. I think they really just didn't have the stuff to work with that they usually do. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then worst character, I mean, there's quite a few. Uh, I Here's the thing. I know a lot of people don't like TJ. And I think, like, this episode and, like, this season is where people really start hating on TJ. Uh, well, I thought he was even more. <laughs> I, I feel like he's he's not the worst actor or character in this. He just seems like an odd fit for this show. Like, they put some, like, loudmouth Jersey boy in the middle of a show about, like, Connecticut. It's just, like, he, he stands out way too much in the show. But I don't think he's necessarily doing a bad performance. I just think whoever just thought he needed to be in a show, probably just, no. Um, I would say probably my least favorite probably would be Emily. Just because, yeah, she is very one-noted in this. It's just mm-hmm. her being. Yeah, I think that's the writing. It, yeah, it's her being a bitch, and it, that's not exactly who she is. She's more than that. So she usually plays with more subtlety. Mm-hmm. Like she, like she's the queen of the subtle dig that sometimes you don't even know that she's swiped at you until later. Yeah, I mean she's the queen of that, and this was much more direct and just bitchy. Yeah. So he wrote her how he sees her. So that's interesting. He actually made that statement. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. Let's see here. We got uh, favorite reference. Do you have a favorite reference from this so episode? Rory's watching The Graduate with Dustin Hoffman and Anne Bancroft. Uh. In while she's in the pool house, that has a lot of parallels to this episode. Mainly that Dustin Hoffman's character is just kind of aimless and wandering. Mm-hmm. Um. So I thought that was a a pretty cool reference they threw in there. What do you think? Uh, yeah, and that kind of pays off in the, the title of the next episode, which is The Ungraduate. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. I didn't put that together. I've seen online people get really confused by that's the episode title. I'm like, if you watch the one before, you see she's watching The Graduate. So, Friends. yeah. Uh, there was a lot of Star Wars references yes, in this. Uh-huh. And Luke's not, like, always the greatest with references, but his reference of him having the high ground at the end was such a great payoff because earlier in the episode mm-hmm. you've got him kind of talking about star wars and how it shouldn't matter if the character has the high ground he you know the other one could always just jump higher or do whatever and then mm-hmm. they're having their conversation and he's on the roof and he just says well i have the high ground and i just thought it was great because it was a, a nice little callback but also kind of right. just made sense with, yeah what was going on with them so yeah i think it was more just the payoff on that one because that was a slow burn but they started the episode with referencing it and then kind of came back around at the end so and they used to do that in in previous seasons i think not so much in in the like season five and six but they used to do that like earlier especially like season one and two i think i'm honestly a little surprised when i saw it was daniel paladino who wrote this episode i'm like that seems a little too clever for him but you know so i'm wondering if if this if this is a a paladino like the um uh tj's character what i forget what his first name is but it's de louise right so it's like dom de louise's kid so i wonder if they have like some relationship or he has some relationship with paladinos and if if so is he gonna show up in marvel's mrs maisel I mean maybe paladinos have a relationship with him because you're saying like some of the characters from Gilmore Girls show up in Maisel, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a few that so, show up. 
Yeah, so I wonder if TJ is in it. He could show up for sure. Why not? Because um, I wonder if this is just one of the people he works with and Daniel Caladino is writing the episode. So he's like, hey, why yeah. don't I put TJ in there? Well, he's been in there for he really a while. Extra thing that just didn't really. Because hmm? he's been in there a while. So I kind of wonder who had the idea to put him in. But yeah. Yeah. I can see though it kind of makes sense like if you're buddies with someone and you want you know you sign them up and write them a part for your show i can see how that works also in my mind it, it's sort of like they want to they see that he like they have an idea in their head of maybe where tj is and then they just kind of look for an actor like that so mm-hmm. you know i imagine they're probably like hey let's reach out to this guy might as well right or maybe you also know that that character or that actor is easy to work with. And yeah. I could see where if you're easy to work with, then you probably get hired more, right? Mm-hmm. So if they know that you're not going to cause an issue on set and you're just going to you know, go about your day and just be nice to people, you're probably more likely to get hired. Mm-hmm. Right? So maybe that's part of it, too. It's just he's he doesn't bring a lot of drama. I know nothing about the actor, but maybe that's part of it. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, favorite quote from this episode? Did you have a favorite quote? Mine was Emily, which I usually, I think this is the first time I agree with Emily's quote. It's, you worship the sun, you pay the price, which is true. Uh, the more sun exposure you have, you don't wear sunblock. I mean, one of the things that, that I specialize in is, is psych issues along with having dermatological issues, like skin picking mm. and stuff. And, um, and so, I mean, dermatology has always been an interest of mine, so... Um, it's it's really true that when living in Florida, especially, you know, the the more you're out in the sun, especially if you don't protect your skin, you pay the price. So, one of the rare statements from Emily that I totally agree with, mm-hmm. which might which might be the only one in the whole series, but yeah. there it is. How about you? Um, uh, T- TJ says it pays to advertise, right? I want to put a sign up, uh, up on the shelves to let people know who did them. Shelves by AJ and Luke says, AJ, why, why AJ and not TJ? TJ says, because I'm going in the yellow pages and I want to be at the top. T puts me after everything but U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. And I think a few others. Some other letters? Yeah, I think go laugh at that. Yeah. And some other letters. Yeah, you know, I think it's like, I, I understand why people don't like TJ, but just lines like that are just kind of funny because I'm was- like, that was funny, yeah. Yeah, it's cleverly written, but it's for a character who's kind of a dumbass. But that's kind mm-hmm. of what makes it so fun is like he's he's a well written dumb character. So I don't know. Luke I'd... refers to him as the dumb something tsunami. I forget what the other descriptor was, but oh yeah. Okay. Um. Uh. Behind the scenes trivia for this episode. There's got to be a few. Let's take a look here and see. Uh yeah, Rory tells the Esperanza. Sorry. Hmm. I was right. The, the dogs on TV are usually girls, right? I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure they're all girls. Maybe. Um. Yeah, Rory tells the Esperanza that she only speaks a little Spanish, but yeah, Les Bedell's first language was Spanish. So, and she's apparently still quite fluid, although. She definitely seemed a little rusty, so I'm like, wait, was that her just doing a great acting job, or was that her, like, she No, that was her acting well, because I think she speaks Spanish with her parents. I'm okay. I'm pretty sure. 
Yeah, because you would think she would speak it pretty well. She seemed a little rusty, so I was like, is that a performance thing, or is that just, like, she just... No, I think that's... I'm pretty sure that's a performance thing. Yeah, you would think, right? I haven't seen any interviews with her speaking Spanish, though. Not that I've looked those up, but... Mm. Um, but I would assume that she speaks with her parents. I mean, not that that's necessarily the case. Um... But yeah, both her. It's a. I was looking her up. Both her parents were both Spanish speakers. Um, her mother was raised in Mexico, and her father was born in Argentina. Hmm. So there's a pretty good chance that she speaks it at home. Um, but that's not necessarily guaranteed. But but I'm I'm pretty sure she probably wouldn't have an accent. So yeah, I think I think what she was doing was acting like she didn't know how to speak Spanish. She did a really good job if she's fluent. Mm-hmm. All right. Um. Yeah, uh, Lorelai mentions that she's going to rent out uh, or she's going to build a recording studio and rent it out to Corn, but Corn uh, actually rented out Trix's house in Connecticut back when Trix was on the show. So apparently oh, really? everybody much likes Corn, the band, and the Gilmore Girls because that's not the first time they've been mentioned. Um, yeah. Uh, the name of Emily's new maid, the one she replaces Esperanza with, is called Draguta, which means sweet, which is kind of ironic because she's not very sweet at all. She's actually really quite mean she... to Rory. And my my assumption is is that she was that Esperanza was fired. A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 But what I find interesting is, like, I wonder if like word gets around, like, hey, talk to this little girl. Or, well, I guess she's not that little, but talk to this woman, and yeah, you're gonna get fired. So maybe, uh, maybe there's a little bit of in talk amongst the the maids there. Um, the actor who plays Logan and uh, another actor called Thomas Kapach, who plays George, also work together on The Good Wife. So everyone's been on The Good Lo- Good Wife, apparently. Um, which is funny because I've never seen. Is it good? Have I, I, I have not watched it, no. But it is just kind of funny that people keep mentioning that people from that show are, are on Gilmore Girls and vice versa. So. so it might be one of those things that's like, hey, do you know somebody for this part? Yeah, I worked with this person on this show, and they're a pretty cool person. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it might just be that, you know, being nice to crew and other people and pays off. Yeah. Maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Uh, right. Uh, any behind-the-scenes trivia? Or, sorry, any mental health observations from this episode? So, we have this, we have this kind of, this continuing thing of Liz enabling TJ. And Luke not saying no. He tries to say no, and I don't know if this is in this episode or the next episode, but he basically talks about how his sister starts crying, and then he gives in, and, you know, no is a complete sentence. Mm. So, not only does she kind of pressure him into hiring TJ as, what, a contractor when he's failed his contracting exam, but then she stays there. Like, she just sits there in the diner, and there was something about that that seemed like kind of, that was very passive-aggressive to me. Mm. Um, and TJ gets enabled all over the place and oh wow and here he is you know this whole storyline about the ring and the, the ring and the finger was really weird to me 
that she's like, oh yeah, my engagement ring made my finger green and purple, and then it caused circulation. Now I have to, I have to go because I have to go and see the doctor about it. I'm like, that's, I, I get why they you know, that's supposed to be haha silly, but it was also mm. like kind of weird. Um, and I, it's, it's not really with the tone of the show. You know, the show doesn't do farcical kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just seemed weird. But then that's never addressed. Like, wouldn't you think that's something somebody brings up at some point? <laughs> yeah um but yeah just the enabling of tj and then and you know luke is luke is good at telling people no but when it comes to to his sister and with tj he has a really hard time keeping those boundaries in place granted liz breaks him down well but then lorelei enables tj well then you see them go to the house and lorelei's backing them up what (laughs) i thought was interesting too is uh like obviously uh Luke got to a breaking point with TJ because he's like, I'm going to kill TJ. Like, he just gets so frustrated that, like, he's reached his breaking point. And I thought it was interesting that instead of just kind of having some healthy boundaries between him and Liz and TJ, he kind of lets it get to that breaking point. And it's, it almost seems yeah. out of character for him, but I think it's not. I think it's just him reaching a breaking point that, like, he could have, he would have easily avoided with anybody else except for those two. Well, that happens, I think, when somebody's enabling somebody is you, you agree to something you didn't want to agree to mm-hmm. to to help that person out or because you, you feel guilted or shamed. And I think that Liz is very good at guilting and shaming Luke. And I'm sure that goes back to past history stuff, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but then what happens is when you enable somebody, eventually you get angry with yourself or the other person for for your enabling behavior and then there and as a result you know that person acts the way that you could predictably see them act and then you get upset so luke is doing kind of exactly what happens when when somebody's enabled is that it the other person gets angry about it mm-hmm. even though they've enabled the behavior so yeah. it was pretty classic for for luke enabling mm-hmm. but then you know then we have lorelei enabling Right, because Luke, yeah. and so then Luke wanted to get rid of TJ, and then Lorelai's like, no, no, no. Even though you know, is this the episode where, where the five guys saw her coming out of the shower? That's next episode. Okay, so so it's like every it's like if TJ doesn't, he can't pass his contracting license, and that gets in a whole bunch of bunch of issues the next episode. It's and he did these shells, but you know, so he did the shelves. But then there's a catch to it, right? So he did the shells, but he doesn't do it just for doing something for Luke. There's always a, you know, there's there's some manipulation going on there with with that with Liz and TJ, mm-hmm. and and sh- and the, the classic kind of stuff that Liz does is like, yeah, I know that that he's he's really screwed things up, but just give him a chance. And that whole character irritates me to no end. <laughs> mm. Yeah where but uh that whole thing and then luke just not saying no i mean how many issues could be solved in this show somebody just said no and that's my final answer mm. yeah well exactly just put up some healthy barriers and boundaries i mean that's kind of why we have them is so that we as people can avoid big issues down the road right and right the funny thing you is have, to have boundaries and enforce them and if she cries you go you know what i know this is something that happens when i say no you start crying but my answer is still no but yeah. you know luke gave it a try he was he said no to her more often than he had in the past but still still he caves mm-hmm. 
But my guess is there's some kind of thing. My, my guess is that the family of origin issue is probably that, and we've kind of seen this dynamic play out between the two of them, is that that Luke probably was told by his parents that Liz is having a hard time, so make sure you're nice to her. Mm-hmm. And then Liz would get in trouble, and then she would be the one that the parents would give attention to, and Luke had to keep you know being a straight arrow, and he had to you know, fall in line because his sister didn't. And I think they've alluded to her having behavior issues in the past. So yeah. so my guess is is that she does the crocodile tears, and that might trigger that family of origin stuff about him having to, you know be careful about Liz's feelings because, you know, she's more sensitive, you know, that kind of thing. So I think that might play into it. So I create a whole backstory of their family of origin. There you go. Okay. Uh, I think it's time to rate this episode. What are you thinking of a score? I gave it a five. I was not into this episode. The dog kind of redeemed it, but five. Polyinka redeemed it. Yeah, that's why I give it a five, not four. Okay. Um, yeah, this is definitely, I think, like, um, this is definitely one of the, my least favorite episodes. I think, like, it's nice that we've got Rory and Lorelai having their face-to-face at the end, and it's pretty vicious, I think it's considered, um, but, yeah, I think for as interesting as, like, showing the nasty side of their mother-daughter relationship is... It doesn't redeem the rest of this episode. So, I don't know. Like, I do like that scene in particular, but again, that's like four minutes, not even, of like a 45-minute long show. So, I'd give it... took out the thing that makes it special. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why I always have a hard time with these episodes, because for me, it's like, you you obviously have taken these things this character out for a reason or taking separate these characters for a reason but it still just makes it tough to watch because you're like this is you've taken out the most appealing thing about the show which is the dynamic between the two of them so it just feels like they just said oh we haven't done this before so let's do that yeah but you can only mess with that chemistry so much before the other pieces don't connect yeah and this was one of the few episodes where i actually wanted to see how much time was left in the episode which i usually don't do i just watch it and don't see what time it is and in mm-hmm. fact, it, it ends before I, I'm like, oh, I all the time has gone by. I didn't realize it. This is the one where I, I didn't just check the time once. I checked the time like a few times to go, when is this going to end? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Usually I don't do that. But they took mm-hmm. out the magical part of the show. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I'd give it like, a, I'll give it a 6 out of 10. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not completely unwatchable. But yeah, there's certainly some points to it where I was like, oh. You've made some weird calls here. All right. Well, it's rated compared to the other episodes, like an IMDb. Sorry? No. I want to see how this is rated compared to other episodes of IMDb. Because they rate the individual episodes. I'm just probably curious to see lower, if this I imagine. But we should probably wrap this episode up. But yeah. Find Steph over at stephaniesarkis.com. Gaslighting is the book. And Talking Brains is our other podcast. And I'm over at 3 where almost every other day we've got new content going up. And with that, oh, I'll and say... and this is one of the lowest rated episodes. There, there we go. go. <laughs> there we go. All right. Well, we'll see you all next time. Bye for now. Bye.